Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a program from WRBH, where every week you can meet local poets and fiction writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. This episode, we're welcoming on two separate poets, the first of which is Izzy Onerick, who will be featured on Bill Lavender's monthly segment, The Writer's Retreat. Take a listen. This is Bill Lavender, publisher at Lavender, Inc. and Dialogos Books here in New Orleans. And this is The Writer's Retreat. I'm here today with Izzy Onerick, whose book, Crossing Brian Ferry, was recently released from Lavender, Inc. Thanks for coming in, Izzy. Thanks for having me, Bill. So tell us a little bit about Crossing Brian Ferry. Uh, The title, of course, is reminiscent of Whitman's Crossing Brooklyn Ferry. And several of the poems refer to other icons of American poetry. Proof Rock is one example. But you also deal with countercultural icons like Wendy O. Williams. Um, So tell us a little little bit about the book. Well, the title poem, Crossing Brian Ferry, is sort of a mashup between Crossing Brooklyn Ferry and the biography of Brian Ferry from Roxy Music. And a lot of the the poems are updates of canonical works. And it's not meant as satire so much as it is meant um, as homage. And I really like the idea of updating these canonical works with a more modern cultural relevance. It's very much a conversation, a dialogue between me as a poet and these other, you know, very established canonical poets. And hopefully these pieces open up an additional frame of of reference and relevance for a, a wider audience who may have just been introduced to them in school and forced to read them. And this is sort of a way of saying, hey, these are your poems too. Huh, cool. I notice also that some of them sort of read almost like riddles where I was trying to guess uh, the canonical source. But anyway, maybe we'll talk about that as we go through. So what are you going to read for us today? I'm just going to read a selection of shorter pieces. The first one is called In Manhattan's Attic, and this was actually inspired by a room at the Art Institute of Chicago in the basement. There's a room of these really beautiful miniature dioramas, and the detail on them is just exquisite. Um, A lot of these poems were written when I was a graduate student at Columbia College in Chicago, so a lot of them are, are sort of situated in that kind of landscape. So this first one is in Manhattan's attic. I rushed the stairs like a caffeinated asterisk, rattled dinner plates in bas relief. This is a room of miniature dioramas, Acropolis, Big Ben, Valley of the Kings, demurely lit in obsessive detail. Very few people know it exists. In this attic, I am giant. This attic has a sky. With satin hammer, rowdy letters, I shatter glass partitions swinging between story and a secret. Someday the Eiffel Tower will be mine. Cool. And this next piece is called Busby Berkeley Dreams, and it's based on the the film director, Busby Berkeley, but the title is taken from a magnetic field song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually, it's based on a, 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 I was imagining Busby Berkeley, what if he had a dream? The Crash, Gorgeous breathtaking, spun sugar windshields. 
Dressed as hemoglobin goblins, Dick and Guy catch Joan and Ginger as they leap like iridescent flying fish. Oscillating chorus girls scissor kick with laparoscopic precision. As the aerial pans, 13 gurneys form a tool caduceus. Lotuses bloom from a puzzle of taffeta catheters. I'll need to drill more holes in the ceiling. Soundstage, not hospital, not highway, not MGM, but a garden, a grove of the prettiest girls in Hollywood, seeing red, all red, only red, chic, but a step out of season. (laughs) And this next piece is called The Problem of Death. When I was a child, I remember seeing this expose on the channel 7 News at night about people who would go to Haiti and fake their death and start their lives over again. And I told this to a classmate of mine, and he challenged me to write a poem about it. And it actually came up pretty good, so here it is. The Problem of Death. An associate told me a funeral row where undertakers have no reservations, blessing caskets filled with rocks. I went with the intention of flying in, dying, and flying out with the name of a dead peasant baby. My debts were insurmountable, and none of the lives I was living were mine. I left no note for my wife, my lover, my three martini Armani cronies. It had to be an accident, at the very least a mystery. I'd call it a business trip. I stepped off the plane and into a puddle of rat. I stepped around the urchins at the door of the hotel. It was a nice hotel, blue walls and iron windows. In a Panama hat, I inquired a funeral row. I found my undertaker. I found my casket. My casket was teak, copper copper cross on the lid. It would burn well. I met the priest, cigarette and rope burns on his chest. My funeral would cost $5,000, complete with rented mourners and footage of the coffin burning. There would be no doubt about my death. I gladly paid. He smiled and we toasted to new beginnings. As I drank, he told me Carrefour and Papagede like strong rum, cheat at cards, and guard the doors to life and death. They chose Haiti as the portal between heaven and hell. There is only one entrance to life, but many to death. He smiled again and I saw why. The west wind never blows through Gonaives. I am not a religious man, but I felt compelled to cross myself. I left with dust on my boots heat in my lungs and my tongue. I must return tonight for proof of death. In Haiti, priest and notary are one. I really like that one. Thank you. I love that line, my debts were insurmountable and none of the lives I were living were mine. Mm -hmm. It kind of speaks to the whole project because you are, these are, most of these are persona poems Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, very interesting. Well, thank you. I I like the the challenge of, of stepping into another character of another person, another voice, and sort of just letting go and seeing what comes out of that that process. Yeah. And yeah. So this next piece is called Almost Unkillable. Um, and this is based on a James Shiler poem. Silver day, so much to remember, so little to say. The bar is long and thick, sinuous, murder when they're drunk, an exclamation. Pressed for tender in a book like flowers. Give my love to, oh, anyone. Hit <laughs> <laughs> James Schuyler is um, a little bit more of an obscure reference than most of the others in the book, but I really like that. Yeah, thank you. Um, this next piece is called of Miranda 
And this was actually inspired by a, a, a trip I took to, uh, to Vegas with some friends a few years ago. And uh, we were in whatever the, the Venice part of Vegas is. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Of Miranda. Collarbone, palimpsest of sandalwood and suntan oil. Feather neckline, bodice, lace, stockings, opaque, grace. A lovely, lovely fuss and pacing rustle. Earring, room key, clutch purse. One last mirror. Sweep of blush into the bustle of Plaza de San Marco. Chardonnay over the interior canal. A casino, a thoughtful bet. Second thoughts about the shoes. A gondolier rescues her hairpin. Loosely coiled honey braid, broken loose from its confine of pearl. Wow. And this next piece is called Fog in Cafe, and this was just a, a sound poem. Chipped slender windows, them bells, bathtubs, laptops, announce cardamom quickly exit. Balzac mimics with many embraces. Rice cubes, absinthe, boys, Edith Piaf. Girdles, bone lace, fog-filled rubies. With cocked doors, with entree, talk pours, coffee, how drunk, in all sugar, with and in, by heavy, hanging in, talk pours. Wow. So tell me what you mean by sound poem. Sound poem is just putting together different words to to hear the sounds that develop and the narrative that emerges through the sounds. I really liked the um, sort of staccato um, tapping sounds that the beginning made. I just I started with the beginning and sort of just saw where the, the sounds developed and the narrative that developed around the sounds. Yeah. And I was just wondering about the setting, too. I mean, you mentioned Balzac, Edith Piaf, so it sounds like you're in a French cafe. A French cafe, obviously. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> French cafe with the fog rolling in. I really wanted that to sort of be, uh, uh, to be evocative of that as well. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. that was lovely. Thank you. Okay, so this is my last piece, and it's called December Answers. I told you not to worry. You'll have fuel. You'll have food through winter, though you'll have to ration. Be rational. Don't burn your mittens. There are spare mittens for your sore throat, warm whiskey and honey. This is Christmas for a broken door. To muffle the sirens, here is a scarf. Fasten the ends on top. Double knot. Don't move. There's still something missing. Wow. Well, I would say uh, a lovely selection and... Uh... Thanks for coming in and reading to us. We've been listening to Izzy O'Neric reading from Crossing Brian Ferry. You can find Izzy's book and archives of this and other recordings at lavenderinc.org. I'm Bill Lavender, and this has been The Writer's Retreat, a monthly segment on figure of speech. That was poet Izzy O'Neric, who was just speaking with Bill Lavender, the publisher at Lavender, Inc. Next up, we'll have poet Delia Tomino Nakayama and steel pan player Peter New sharing some of their collaborations. Hello, this is Delia Tomino Nakayama, and Peter New on steel pan is with me. We are here as guests of Figure of Speech.
could we persuade soft, for hating is not working? Would a tender song dig a gentle nest into hardened souls, a place for loving to grow? Delicate muses seeming not to understand toxic mire and rot, do so comprehend and chant to protect our breath. They are not naive. Rather choose sweetness over cruelty. Don't mistake pink for ignorance. It is out of pain that some mauve is chosen well to invite roses, to keep blooming bright. Indeed, a searing insight lies beneath silk sheaths. Though real swords are lost, useless in their world can't solve universal haunts. Dead tools they don't use, not because they are not strong, but because they are strong enough without. Words and song and paint and dance are their trusted means to call ancestral forces to their sides and face whatever may harm with grace and beauty. No, do not ridicule them for their idealism. Rather, pray for them, as they pray for you always, even when you kill. This poem is called Meditation, and I'm beginning a series of love songs of devotion to humanity. So this is a work in progress. That peaceful vastness, this vastness, as I'm sitting now, not a figment, a reality, amid dense worldly mire, I stop to write Report back with findings on still journeying. That first conscious breath begins the cleansing, the dream. Pull in deep, oh my. The body expands. Stomach, playful balloon, opens, feels fresh changes. Lungs coordinate too. All fibers of being join in this choir of effort. Orchestrate a beautiful, even air, in and out, slowly. Despacio, si. I want to be in love, sure. I'm a romantic. But in the meantime, maybe this will help me find a deeper loving as each particle of my physicality dedicates itself to fruit blue exhale. There is nothing else in time or motion but this sweet intention. 
Can you relate? Or is this too esoteric, strange, inconceivable? People tell me their problems for I listen well. I suggest sitting. Resistance is strong and mean, impatient, painful. Not mean towards me, mean towards themselves. What a shame. Yes, it trickles down, it passes through to others, me, all of us. Yes, their red discontent bleeds all over us. We bleed upon each other. There is no escape from others' suffering. Much as we buy, 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 take, avoid, deny, make money or steal it, for it is stealing, really, of resource, life source. We can run and run, but we'll never lose shadows of those left behind. Each brother, sister of humanity following, we follow them. If only we could be separate, ha, the cure, but no, never so. This is wonderful and terrible, for we are so responsible to one another, which translates into work, share. And most people don't want to work or share for the sake of the blessed other. If we all sit still for some tender moment's calm, perhaps we can see something kinder in thee, me, that will allow the freedom to love. Okay, now I have some poetry that I'm going to read of Mary Oliver's. This is called Not Anyone Who Says by Mary Oliver. Not anyone who says, I'm going to be careful and smart in matters of love. Who says, I'm going to choose slowly but only those lovers who didn't choose at all, but were, as it were, chosen by something invisible and powerful and uncontrollable and beautiful and possibly even unsuitable. Only those, only those know what I'm talking about in this talking about love. This one is called A House or a Million Dollars. People do it, some out of desperation, others out of greed. They steal. The very powerful and clever might steal a whole house or a million dollars. It's been done. But what does it matter? Love is the one thing the heart craves, and love is the one thing you can't steal. And the last one I'm going to read from Mary Oliver is called What This Is Not. 
This is not just surprise and pleasure. This is not just beauty sometimes too hot to touch. This is not a blessing with a beginning and an end. This is not just a wild summer. This is not conditional. And there's a few poems I have here from a book called Women Poets of Japan. And the translators are Kenneth, Kenneth Rex Roth and Ikuko Atsumi. And I just want to say the thing about translation is sometimes um, certain translations will resonate with certain people more than others. So hopefully this will resonate with you. This is by Hoshino Tatsuko. brightness of peonies buds softly splitting open. This one is by, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Anryu Suharu. When with breaking heart I realize this world is only a dream. The oak tree looks radiant. And these are three that are unrelated. Actually, I think I'll just read these two. By Yosano Akiko. I can give myself to her in her dreams whispering her own poems in her, in her ear as she sleeps beside me. And the last one I'll read for you today, oh, by the way, Yosano Akiko was born in 1878 and passed away in 1942. Without a word... Without a demand, a man and two women bowed and parted company on the sixth day of the month. That was poet Delia Tomino Nakayama and Peter New, who was accompanying her on Steel Pan there. And before that, you heard poet Izzy Oneric reading her own work and speaking with Bill Lavender for this month's edition of The Writer's Retreat. And that's our show. You've been listening to Figure of Speech, a new community poetry and writing program from WRBH. Tune in Saturdays at 3 p.m. and every Monday at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing. Thanks for listening.